Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no sandwich. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome once again to these special Christmas editions of Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart and it is my mission in this semi-lockdown-ish, not quite, maybe, maybe not period that we're in at the moment to bring you some measure of Millwall entertainment as best I can. And as you know, I'm doing these um, series of antique roadshow style reviews of Millwall objects of historical and cultural significance as, as I see them. So today's item, dear listeners, begins with a very early form of um, club programme, I suppose you'd call it, unofficial programme. It's um, known as the Cagill's Correct Card. This is from the collection of Andy Sullivan once again. This is a real find that Andy's got here. Um, It was a kind of a single sheet team sheet, in a sense, um, produced by a chap called Obed Kegel, and I will come on to Obed in a second. Um, but this is actually from 1897, March the 4th, 1897, to be precise. This is a game played on the Isle of Dogs between Millwall and Corinthians. Now, Corinthians were Corinthians were a major name in amateur football prior to um, the First World War. Um, it was actually actually existed from 1882 to 1939, and these were our opponents on this occasion at the Athletic Ground, East Ferry Road on the Isle of Dogs, now the location of a major Asda store, right by Cross Harbour Station for everyone that works in the area, that Asda was where Millwall's Ground, one of them, on the island was located. Um, our opponents, Corinthian as I say, we're actually um, they do have a link with the Corinthians Club of Brazil. It was it was a uh, an amateur club, and it was credited. I'm just reading from Wikipedia. Credited with popularising football around the world, it promoted sportsmanship and fair play, and championed the ideals of amateurism, playing the game for the love, no um, no payment. Um, 
their, their, their outlook, which is in sharp contrast, I think, to, to Millwall, um, is famously summed up, it says here, as their attitude to penalties. As far as they concerned, they were concerned, a gentleman would never commit a deliberate foul on an opponent. So if a penalty were awarded against the Corinthians, their goalkeeper would stand aside, leaning languidly on the goal post, post and watch the ball being kicked into the net. If the Corinthians won a penalty, then their captain took a short run-up and gave the ball a jolly good whack, chipping it over the crossbar. They wouldn't take a penalty. They would let you score one, but they wouldn't take one. That's the kind of club that the Corinthians were. Real Madrid famously were inspired to adopt their Corinthian white kit and sporting club Paulista Corinthians and a Maltese side, Sedgetun Corinthians in Malta, adopted their name. And they were our opponents, so you can imagine quite a, a class divide. I think that's probably the best way I'm going to put it on this on this show, dear listeners. The Mule team for this, this game, listed according to Cagill's correct card, is Carter in goal, Graham and Robson, the full-backs. The half-backs, King, Miller, and Matthews up front, we have Whelan, Calvi, Gettins, Mackenzie, and Davis. And on the Corinthians side, I don't know any of these names Campbell, Pelly Oakley, Ingram, Foster, and Vickers, Burnup, Alexander, Geo Smith, in, and then Collier and Topham in the front line there. The correct card for the game is quite something. Um, it, it's quite a fascinating thing to look at. It's got adverts around it. It was it was in a kind of like a, an A4 size, so you fold it down to what I suppose we call now A A5, and then further. Actually, it looks like you can fold it again, so it'll be down to what A A6. Um, so quite small. It's designed to go into your pocket. It had the team sheet, which I've just read out, surrounded by adverts for the best football report. See the Sportsman newspaper. It says. Um, Geo Peterkin, George Peterkin, general printer and stationer of 3 Colt Street, Limehouse. Posters, handbills, tickets, programmes quickly printed. Um, and there's another one for the sportsman down the other side. Uh, R.G. Gaskin, sorry, um, the people's boot and shoemaker of 70 West Ferry Road, Millwall. And then underneath it all, Taylor's. Beatty the tailors, local tradesmen, overcoat shirts, trousers, hats, caps and braces, shirts, collars and ties. Why leave the island, asks Beatty. I'm just going to turn it round. It's, it's quite a difficult thing because obviously it's, it's um, designed to be folded up. So when you're reading it on your iPad, the, um, the, the photograph turns round as you turn the screen. But I've also got a list of, a list of fixtures here. Um, 1896-97 season, the German FA, where 9-0, famous 9-0 slaughtering of the German Football Association in September. Home game against Notts County, I see there, 2-1. Tottenham Hotspur, 6-5 win for the, for, the, for the Dockers. And so it goes on. Um, lovely, lovely stuff. Obid Cagill was um, a player with the Lions. The Lions, the Dockers, I should call them, shouldn't I? Obed, O-B-E-D, Obed Cagill was his first name. He played as a goalkeeper, also played as a right-back. When he started, he joined Millwall Rovers in 1889 from a side called Glengall Rovers. 
and is rated by James Murray in the Lions of the South book as being on the verge of an England cap as an amateur. Injured at the end of the 1893-94 season in a game, a friendly game against Stoke in a collision with an oncoming forward. He compounded a fracture in the left leg and that was a career ender for, for Obed. Um, he did get a testimonial and there's a slight difference of opinion as to the testimonial. In James Murray's book, this is listed as a joint Millwall and Arsenal English side playing a joint Millwall and Arsenal Scottish side. So the, the Millwall Arsenal English beat the Millwall Arsenal Scots by three goals to two in front of 5,000 at East Ferry Road, generating £150 for Obed, which, according to the Bank of England, is actually quite a nice amount. £150 in 1895 is worth £20,000 in 2020 terms, as their website shows. Yes, that's not bad. Not a bad payday for Obed. Um, as I say, there is some difference in account. James Murray has it as a... This um, quite nice idea, Millwall and Arsenal English versus Millwall and Arsenal Scots. However, I do have other accounts from the press of the time. For example, the East London Observer in March 1895, um, which refers to um, during the same afternoon, Obed Cagill's benefit match took place at Millwall, and it is gratifying to report announced it was in all um, respects most successful between five and six thousand spectators were present so far so good um, when at 4.30 Cagill himself kicked it off despite his injury kicked off the game at least the match as previously announced was Mill versus the rest of the league um, in the latter however no less than eight members of the Royal Ordnance appeared now I know that um, it was Woolwich Arsenal but is that the same team as the Royal Ordnance, I'm asking? Um, I don't think it is. I think Royal Ordnance are a different side. Uh, and interestingly, in the Athletic News, the fixture is listed as Millwall Athletic versus the Southern League. Uh, this match played for uh, Cagle's benefit was played yesterday at Millwall. The Athletic gained the day by three goals to two. So Southern League, um, rest of the league, similar thing, I suppose containing members of the Royal Ordnance. Um, I'll have to look up and see whether Royal Ordnance is, in actual fact, Woolwich Arsenal. So bear with me a second. So the Royal Ordnance Factories FC were a football club from south-east London that existed in the late 19th century. They played at the Invicta Ground in Plumstead. They were formed in 1893 and dissolved around 1896. They played in the Southern League. Um, they opted to play in all blue, and played at the Invicta, which was Royal Arsenal's old ground. Um, that would, I think Arsenal shuttled between the Invicta ground and the Manor ground. The Manor ground is roughly on the site in Plumstead. Is there a bus bus garage there in Plumstead? Near to where the prison is nowadays, Belmarsh. Um, I think the Invicta ground was on the um, opposite side of the road. Um but they were uh, the opponents. Now, whether that's they, they had linkage with uh, Woolwich Arsenal or not, I don't know. So you've got various accounts, whether it was Royal Ordnance, a Royal Arsenal team, or Woolwich Arsenal, a separate club entirely, um, as to as to Cagill's benefit. Certainly a benefit was played, and he got the equivalent in modern terms of 20,000, having the uh, suffering the loss of his football career. So that's, that's ultimately all that matters. But um, interesting that there's a... A difference and um, some confusion as to who or what the opponents were 
that day. The Cagill family actually were Isle of Dogs, um, an Isle of Dogs family. They, they're actually mentioned in the Island History websites on History Trust websites. And William Cagill, I'm going to guess that's Obed's father, I'd guess, was one of the original shareholders. There's a list of original shareholders when the Mill Rovers were formed in 1885. And William Cagill of 217 West Ferry Road, a commercial clerk, was listed as one of the original shareholders along an, alongside a number of other major names. I'm just going to read the um, biography from Who's Who. There's a nice photograph, actually, of Obed Cagill, which I'll try and photograph and put out with the, the correct card. Uh, so a goalkeeper, 20, 35 games for Mill Athletic. He was born in Timothy's Wharf uh, in 1870. Is that on the island, Timothy's Wharf? I imagine it would would be. Born in 1870 on the Isle of Dogs. He died in Torquay in 1945, 3rd of December. His career as a player, Glengall Rovers, Millwall Athletic, retired through injury, 1894. Obid was what, the first of many and excellent and distinguished goalkeepers, who Sue says, that we've had, and was seen as an England international in the making, but he refused all offers to turn professional, and even criticised Millwall for going full-time. He didn't like professionalism, it seems. A broken leg in the last match of the 1893-94 season against Stoke at East Ferry Road saw him spend eight months in hospital and ended his career. Obid kept his link with Millwall when he instigated the forerunner of today's match programme with Cagill's correct card. A, a doc manager in later life and stevedore, his son Tom was also a Mill director. So quite a Mill family, the Cagills. And his Cagill's correct card were early forms of a match day programme. As I say, just basically a team sheet that you could fold into four. He would actually retain some input into the Mill match day programme on the first game, certainly onwards, when we moved to the Den in, in New Cross. Um, in James Murray's book, he's listed as having some um, editorial input into the full eight-page Match day program that was produced after that. Um, so there we are, Obid Cagill, major name actually. Cagill's correct card, um, and he does have one. There's, the, the other one I've seen is a reproduction of it, one in the James Murray book, but this is a great, great photograph which I will put out with this, you know, the, the show notes for this, this particular edition. Um, Lester the Limehouse Taylor, my eyes just fallen upon this, listeners. Um, who he, he overcoats in all shades, 25 shillings, uh, dress suits, scotch suitings, serge, uh, 35 shillings, and scotch tweed trousers, trues, 10 and 6, maybe reflecting our Scottish links at this time for Mill Athletic. Um, he's based in, in Limehouse East. Commercial Road, 795 and 322 Burdett Road. That's Leicester the Taylor's great adverts. Forthcoming fixture of Southampton in the Southern League, it says. Admission sixpence, 6D in old money. There we are, Cagill's correct card. Obed Cagill, it's wonderful to have the chance to be able to mention Obed's name. Um, he's a great Millwall character and a, 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 one of the major names in the early days of the formation of our club. But I'm going to move along. That's Obed's... Cagill's correct card. He would spell it 
Cagill, C-A-Y-G-I-L-L-S. Cracked was <laughs> spelt as um, apostrophe K. R-E-C-T, correct card, um, which and the card was C. Um, I would have put it as maybe KKK doesn't work. K was correct card, KKK, but he did spell it with a C and then the, the kind of very quirky uh, apostrophe K correct card. Um, he would continue to call us Millwall Athletic despite the club officially at least changing its name to Millwall FC in the early 1900s. But he, K Gill, Obid stuck with Millwall Athletic. That was the way that he liked it it seems but we're going to move along dear listeners to our second mill item of historic and cultural significance and this was one that was sent to me a while ago when i was doing the um Coblo lane fanzine this is actually a really lovely uh commemorative plate and i don't know who sent it to me now so um i'm going to list it as a and other um, if it's if it's yourself, I really appreciate this this um, this photograph. It's a again similar to the the mug that we mentioned, the the two thousand and one championship mug that was mentioned in one of the previous editions of this. This is um, uh, I don't know if the club did this or whether it was done privately, but it's a kind of a hand painted um, commemorative plate. It's edged in gold, uh, Mill Football Club written in the kind of um, like a fancy script across the top. Of the, of the circle of the plate you've got the den london uh, se 14 on one side the lions found in 1885 on the other and it marks the football league division one season 1988-89 and in the middle you've got a roaring lion as i say looks like it's hand painted football league division two champions 1987 to 88 played 44 125 drew seven lost 12 Scored 75, conceded 52, 82 points to um, lift the championship on that famous last day. Uh, what last but one day, actually, wasn't it? It always seems like the last day up there at Hull City, that 1-0 win where we secured the, the championship. And then that bizarre um, Blackburn celebratory 4-1 defeat at home after the team had been let loose on, in the pubs of um, South East London by manager John... Doherty. I'm not going to dwell too long on that season. It's very well known season. We've covered it quite a few times, one way and the other, on these shows. But the commemorative plate is just a really nice, nice looking thing. Um, I think it looks, it has the look of, of almost like a privately made thing rather than a club um, object. I don't remember it being on sale in the program. Correct me if I'm wrong. If anyone has any more information about these these commemorative plates it's a really nice idea and i know from time to time we you know we haven't had anything uh, to really commemorate since but i think it's always really nice when items of this kind get produced to mark major events in club history one of the reasons that we try and do the likes of the calendars and the yearbooks is that I just think it's football is marked by these memorialising events, if, if that makes any sense. And it's just a really nice... Um, it, it makes impact on people. And, and that clearly, this Millwall Football Club Division 1 season plate is something you'd keep for life. You wouldn't get rid of it. And we try to do similar things in a much smaller way, much more, um, a smaller scale event with the with the likes of our calendars and, and, the, and the yearbook that I'm hoping we might get together for the new season 
next next year 22 to 23. Um, so really really nice commemorative plate marking the promotion from Division 2 to that wonderful wonderful season in Division 1 88-89 wonderful stuff. So there we are that's the that's the second of our items of Millwall historic and cultural significance and as I said in one of my previous editions of this, I'm, I'm applying this this principle very, very loosely. And um, I've picked out um, a, a banner. I've, I've always liked this 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 photograph. It's the, um, the the last game played at the Den in 1993, which was Bristol Rovers. Where again we lost. We we begin it with a defeat, and we ended our, our time at the Den with a defeat. That was a a three nil loss against Bristol Rovers, May the 8th to be precise. Played in front of 15,821, which included myself and the gentleman that put up this wonderful banner, which says the Den RIP. It made the South London Press the Den RIP. There's a picture of a chap. I wonder who this chap is. He's wearing one of those Toffs 1930s um, style shirts with the mill, red mill. Yeah, lion in, and MFC emblazoned on the royal blue shirt with a big flappy white collar. Next to him is it looks like um, maybe father and, and, and or, or, uh, there's a young boy, maybe grandfather. One's got like a, a Detroit Lions D cap and the other's got a traditional flat cap and they're all looking suitably unhappy at the demise of the den, that chaotic day where everyone was on the pitch at the end. Even I went on the pitch, listeners, and that's quite something for me i'm not your invade the pitch type of bloke but i did go on the on the um the pitch at the end of that anarchic finish where we'd been beaten three nil it was a very poor performance very anticlimactic um on, on what had been really a carnival style atmosphere prior to the game and it all finished in the a real damp squib but as i've seen it described before the the mill support were going to have their day. We were not going to abandon the den in the way that um, the club might have wanted. Uh, pitch invasion, digging up of the turf, um, you know, the kind of retrieval of souvenirs. I think the goals got broken down, the nets got nicked. I took a bit of turf home um, without any clear idea what I was going to do with this bit of turf. I'm no one's gardener dear listeners and um it kind of um sat in a corner of 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 um of, of my, my my flat for a while and, it, and then I, in the end i think i chucked it i didn't know what i was to do with it but in the moment in the madness of the pitch invasion it seemed like the most logical thing in the world to do to go and get yourself a piece of the den's pitch but i must admit i, I didn't really know what to do with it afterwards but the homemade banner Held up by these three chaps, which have been on the uh, the Coldblow Lane end above the the players' tunnel, has three words: the Den R.I.P. It says, um, which probably sums it all up. There was a great one, um, and I haven't got that picture. I can't find the picture of some guys on the pitch at the end of that Bristol Rovers game with another banner, homemade banner, which said very dramatically melodramatically here lies the den murdered by reg burr reg burr the, the the chairman of the time who had overseen the move from the old Coldblow lane ground to the uh, the new den as it was called i found another picture as i'm talking i'm looking through the the picture i found it i found it. i'm going to put this out um here lies the den murdered by reg burr a picture taken looks like from the Coldblow lane end 
um, huge chunks of turf dug up from the pitch and um, some bewildered police officers in, in high-vis standing behind them um, looking on. And there's, another, there's a few images I've got here. I'm sure you've got your own images of that day if you were there, dear listeners, of then uh, the pitch completely occupied. Um, Paul Reg Burr, he got blamed by for murdering the den, 1910-1993, which was harsh because the requirements of the Taylor report um, required that we convert to an all-seater stadium, and the den, as much as we loved it, was obviously um, impractical for the requirements of modern football. The, The Premier League was coming, and football was changing, whether you liked it or not. And some of us didn't like it. Um, some did. Um, and it all seems a long time ago now, but we needed to convert to an all-seater stadium. Could it have been done in the old ground? We've had to found the money from somewhere to do it. And the reality was that by selling the ground, uh, Coldblow Lane, it meant that we could acquire a new site in conjunction with Lewisham Council and build the new Zampa Road Stadium as an all-seater ground um, from scratch, and one led to the other. I think it probably was um, the only practical way forward. I do remember the, um, you know, there was, obviously there was a sense of sadness when we left Coldblow Lane and, and anarchy, as you can um, tell by the pictures, which I will stick out with this, this the show notes for this particular show. Um, but... I will tell you now, listeners, I remember walking into the new ground when it was first built. I was living in Bermondsey at the time, so I was following the construction of the new place with fascination as it went up on um, Zampa Road. I used to go running sometimes and go run round it just to have a look at it. But when it opened in that, that first fixture against Sporting Lisbon, I remember going into the into the new ground. It sounds a bit odd now because it's become aged over the years. But my jaw dropped, and it was the first brand new London stadium built since Arsenal, I think, in um, whenever they moved to Highbury in the, in the, in the 1913. Brand new stadium, um, floodlights brilliant. It looked and felt like I don't know. I I, I couldn't. I, I, my, my jaw dropped with the awe that we had done this, that we had built this place. Um, it, you know, it sounds odd now when you, you know, we, we call, you know, joke about the, the rusting and the, and the bird shit corner and all. But as, as time has gone along, the impracticalities of the site. But at the time when we opened, I was, I was just um, awestruck and with pride that we'd done this. So there we are, the Den RIP banner. Um, that's my third and final object on this series of Millwall items of cultural and historical significance um i'm hoping to get one more show out of this idea dear listeners and i'm going to try and get that out tomorrow that'll lead us up to christmas we, we've got a fixture on boxing day and which i'm hoping to get along to um covid willing and that's going to be the end of these little series i'm hoping that you've enjoyed them i will do them from time to time if people would do want to send me any photos or items that they've got that are, you know, of interest. Um, But I think I'm probably running out of steam on it now. I'm going to get one more done, I hope, tomorrow. So I hope you've enjoyed this particular edition featuring Cagill's correct card, the commemorative plate from 1987-88, and that banner 
the Den RIP from 1993. So there we are. Thank you for listening, dear listeners. Do let me know any thoughts and views and opinions you might have. And until the next edition of Achtung Millwall, bye for now. Just a slight postscript, dear listeners. I mentioned Arsenal's Invicta ground earlier on. I think I confused it with the other ground they used to have in Plumstead. The Invicta ground was located also in Plumstead, slightly up from Plumstead High Street. The the Manor ground was located actually um, further down from Plumstead Station, um, it, very close to where the bus garage is on the, the big kind of road junction that um, is there now. The Invicta ground was slightly up from that, up along... Um, it's up off of Conway Road and, and the uh, the High Street. Uh, two streets actually um, encompass where the Invicta ground was. One's called Mineral Street and the other is called Hector Street. That's where um, Arsenal's uh, ground was briefly, 1890 to uh, circa 1894. Uh, it was a ground built by one George Weaver, a mineral, mineral water magnate. Um, Arsenal found his rent too high and then returned back to the manor ground, their previous home. And instead, uh, an amateur side, Royal Ordnance Factories took over. That, those were, that was the club that I mentioned in the piece earlier on. Royal Ordnance Factories took over the use of the Invicta ground on Hector and Mineral Street, um, now replaced by houses. And um, they played there for just one season, 1894. Eventually, they also moved out and the ground fell into, into disrepair and was eventually demolished and houses built on the site, which is what's there to this day. Apparently, apparently you can still see some of the old terracing in some of the back gardens on Hector Street. So I just want to correct that. The other correction I've got to make, uh, I mentioned Mill's home game on Boxing Day versus Swansea City. And that has, of course, been postponed this afternoon. So I thought I'd just mention that, that there is no Boxing Day game for us now. The next fixture will be on January the 2nd, but we shall see on that. That's going to be the away game down at Bristol City. Uh, Millwall being unable to field a side on Boxing Day due to the impact of the current COVID uh, Omicron pandemic. So no, no football. Um, I will continue to try and do some of these shows. I've got a few other bits and pieces to do over Christmas. So I'm hoping you're enjoying these. I just wanted to get a little postscript in because um, confusing the manor ground and the Invicta ground is base level error on the part of any so-called football historians. I thought I'd make a little um, postscript here to correct that. Thank you for listening, dear listeners. This has been Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.